2: I was kissing Valentino by a crystal blue Italian stream, ladies and gents. Welcome to the Football Ramble. Arsenal and Spurs were at the races, and St Johnston have won another cup. It's Monday 1st of March. I'm Marcus Speller. I'm Jim Campbell. And well, I'm hunt the Hunter-Ider. Right? Welcome to your very manic Monday, ladies and gentlemen. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Vish and Jim are looking twinkly-eyed and sexy and are ready to bring you their views on the weekend's footballing action. Jim, are you excited? I am, especially um, to be described as twinkly-eyed and sexy
3: so early mm-hmm. in the morning. Yes. Um, so it's, uh, it's very very sweet of you. I am ready, yeah. I'm 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 excited. Mm-hmm. I'm, how are you feeling, Marcus? Yes, I knew you were excited. Obviously, that erection of yours is a dead giveaway for a start. Well, there's that, isn't there? Uh-huh. But the, the, I, the Verge. I mean, the verge. have Arsenal knocked Leicester off their muggy oh, little verge, Marcus? He was, he was in such
4: a good mood. Why have you done yeah. that to him? He was, he was <laughs> uh, talking all sorts of libelous nonsense before he pressed record. And now back down to earth.
2: <laughs> Go on, what did he's I say? He indiv- is when he's in this mood. will <laughs> be fine. Why don't you teeter on the verge, Vish, with accusations like that?
4: Well, I just think, I mean you didn't have to draw pictures. All was, right, like, ladies was a and bit... gentlemen. Let's go straight to Leicester <laughs> City
2: versus Arsenal. Who saw that come in, Vitution? Three one to Arsenal. It was a surprise. I mean Leicester, they'll be but disab- they obviously lost in the uh, in the Europa League as well. They're perhaps in a little bit of a slump, but a great win for those Arsenals.
4: Yeah, I know when um when Yuri children. Scores that first goal. I was, a, I, I did think about sending Jim a message and being like, right, we, we should all, you know, you should always check up on people at this time, especially when they're, you know, we're ticking around to March and, you know, it's mm-hmm. been a year since we went into that first lockdown. And I thought, I'm worried for Jim. And yeah, yeah I, I mean, I was, I was. Well, the players impressed. were very socially
2: distanced, weren't they? from yes, Yeah, they were.
4: Yeah, very good of them. Yeah. Yeah. I was, can you be impressed by Arsenal nowadays? I think I was a little bit, actually. Um, you know, without Saka, without Martinelli, <laughs> without the young kids who tend to get them out of trouble, that was quite quite the performance. That
2: was that's yeah. a bit of a dig as well. Can you be impressed by Arsenal these days? It's not an unreasonable that. question, though, yeah. is it?
3: <laughs> well, go on. Also, yeah, like, I like the idea of the young kids that sort of get them out of trouble, like like the little rascals running around, yeah. <laughs> like propping up the ratings. But yeah, um, it was an impressive performance because Arsenal have this terrible habit of conceding early and only then switching on. Yeah, but they at least did switch on and they would they were really really good and also you know William and, and Pepe as well have taken a lot of flack, but they both performed excellently and actually it was it could really have blown up in Arteta's face just starting that lineup at all but they did not let him down and what he what he needs to do is get the best out of the squad and up until till now really it's it's been very clear that you know some of the there's a bit of a gulf between the first 11 and, and the other players, but they've, they've bridged that with that performance. So it's, it's good to see. I mean, it seems ridiculous to be saying that about Arsenal's record signing and a player as experienced as Willian compared to mm. essentially Academy players. But that is this strange reality of Arsenal at the moment. It is. Well, um,
2: don't forget the senior players because they have to drive the boat forward according to Arteta. And David right. Louise is one of those players. Captain Louise, as he's, probably not known but what i i just i like seeing david lewis happy vish i mm. i really do and i think if anybody sort of wants to see him sad it would be like wanting to see a puppy cry or something i still remember and, I'm, and i know he doesn't listen to this podcast but you know like remember that time when obviously brazil were hammered by germany and he was he was crying and really upset i think i, I don't yeah. i don't think any of us are over that just yet so it is nice to see him having a good time
4: I mean, I I got over it pretty quickly, but yeah, I know what you mean. Um, Yeah. (laughs) He's he's one of those players where I think the league is better with him in it, but you're not necessarily (laughs) totally... You wouldn't be totally on board if he was on your team. It's a little bit like, you know, when people have kids and they bring them over and they're adorable, but you're like, I don't want to... I want the happy version of this. I don't want the kind of... 1am to 6am crying like a banshee bit of having a kid yeah i want all the good bits and you know when louise is part of your team you don't necessarily get that so yeah i mean from our perspective it's probably lovely to see him happy um but even sometimes when he's a bit sad it's not our problem so Mm. there's an element of um i think i think it's society's
2: problem when david louise is sad
4: I think, yeah, I know, but, but, you know, society has so many ills. I think David Luiz is quite low on the list. And no. I don't think there's a remedy for Dally, David Luiz beyond actually just embracing him.
2: Yeah. I just embracing what he
4: brings, yeah.
3: Uh-huh. Uh, he's just so fired up all the time mm. that that means he's either brilliant or just absolute chaos. Yeah. I... And I agree, like... It is just good to have him in the league, and it is you know even when he's on your team on days like days like that, and a few performances towards the tail end of the last season as well, where he was an absolute rock. It's brilliant, but you just know that at some point that rock is going to give away a penalty. the The analogy fell
2: down there. I will admit. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> People can trip
4: over rocks. That's
2: yeah, true. Can happen. I did. I did love the defending for that Leicester goal, and it seemed harsh to focus in on yeah. that because it was a brilliant performance. The one three one.
3: Yeah, it it seems. To be honest, Mark, it seems kind to call it defending. <laughs> it was just it's, like, like, it was, it's like they just left the door open. Don't worry, he'll, come he'll, in. it will be, he'll be Have okay. I
2: tell you what, we'll do. We see him galloping down that flank. Okay, we'll everyone into the centre. So when he wants to cross the ball, we've got it cut. Co- oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, at that point, it felt like here we go, same old story. Well, it did though, Jim. But, it, but it did. No. It did feel that. Oh, blimey! You know, and Leicester, you know, needing to sort of bounce back from the Europa League loss, we're on the march. Really. Um, it should be pointed out though that 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 Leicester last season, it was around January, February time, um, that uh, that they started to get some sort of uh, unwanted results, and so. I don't want to sort of project too much, but the injuries are not going to help that as well. They're they're in a decent yeah. position. The other sides below them, of course, um, you know, West Ham are in the mix. We'll talk about them later. Obviously, Liverpool won, and they you imagine them to have a a bit of a push for top four and so on and so forth. Um, but I, you know, Leicester will be slightly concerned, uh, especially with Harvey Barnes, who's been crucial uh, for them being stretched off. Vish. are you concerned that they might not get top four, or do you not care about them either? <laughs>
4: I suppose, yeah, it, it is a concern. If you look back to that run um, this time last year, it was, you know, when Pereira was, was out of the team and it seemed to unbalance them. And you realize, obviously, with, with Leicester, as, as well as they've done, they their squad is, is pretty small and probably, mm-hmm. you know, of, of the size you'd expect from a team with their means. So it does, I mean, I suppose it's quite. Quite unquote natural for them to have a dip at this time of the season, especially in this season of all seasons, where it's been so hectic, not least with their um, travails in Europe, which kind of makes the kick-off time for this all the more bonkers. If they're both teams are playing on Thursday and you're kicking off midday on Sunday, it just doesn't mm. make any sense. But yeah, I, I've, it was quite dispiriting seeing Harvey Barnes and then obviously Johnny Evans having to limp off as well. It feels a little bit like, I don't want to say, you know, the wheels coming off is a bit of a cliche saying, but it does seem like they have some issues that they have to contend with. At the same time, they do look a little bit better placed. They do seem to have, you know, some younger players who are coming through and Rodriguez seems to trust with um, with first team minutes. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, a big couple of months coming up for them and they'll be... Um, I, I hope not. You know, one of the best things about Leicester over... I don't even mean the league winning Leicester. I mean, you know, this iteration of Leicester mm-hmm. is that the they're, they're bit of the breath of fresh air at that top half of the... Oh, yeah. Top half of the top half. So, mm. yeah, I mean, I hope not. Like, obviously, from a Manchester United perspective, I, you know, I don't necessarily think it's going to be the same kind of battle with them as it was last season, right up to the last game. But, mm. no, I, I, I do hope they can sustain it because, yeah, I, th- I think they've shown that they're more than capable of or more than deserving of being where they are.
2: Yeah, Jim, Arsenal mm. are eight points off West Ham are in fourth. <laughs> can they catch them or are they going to put it all into the Europa League? I think realistically they will put it all into the Europa League,
3: yeah, because it's it's not just West Ham, is it? There's so many other teams between them and it's, you know... You said I mean, it's eight, not between it Arsenal make, and West Ham for four. No, no, but but when you put it like that, eight points doesn't actually sound that much, does it? But when you look at that yeah. Arsenal were in 17th or whatever it is and you've got hauling haul in everybody else on the way, yeah. that just seems a lot, lot less realistic. So, yeah, I think... I mean, I don't think Arsenal are good enough to win a European trophy. Certainly not when it gets to the business end of the Europa League. Um, but I think they, they are probably going to focus on that as as a way to get into the Champions League. But I mean, you know, you've just got to try and win every game in front of you. Because Arteta's still working out... Uh, he's still trying to mould Arsenal, isn't he? So... I think he will get this season sort of as an experiment, r- regardless of, of where they finish or, or whether they win you the Europa League, which, again, I, I really don't think they will. But, I mean, you know, the, the win over Benfica, in a way, laid the groundwork for the win over Leicester, I think. Just um, just, just coming back from that adversity of, of you know, looking like, uh, oh, there's a bit of a mistake here. We we might have completely messed this up. A little bit but of character. Then digging in and winning. Absolutely, yeah. And the fact that that's been kind of shared out around the squad as well over those two games it can only be a good sign because it's a sign of a good team that you can respond to setbacks it's a sign of a bad team that you create your own setbacks <laughs> and you know Arthur <laughs> a bit of a kind of
2: mess of those two things at the moment yeah I well you know that uh, Jose Mourinho's throwing all his eggs into the Europa League basket and mm. uh, Spurs had a better performance against Burnley but I mean he's he has said that of course he said well our best route to the Champions League is through the Europa League which is Fair enough. Um, I mean, he could well end the season with a League Cup trophy and a Europa League trophy. You wouldn't put it it past past him, would you? You certainly wouldn't. There was chat, though, that... um, There was a few little murmurs, Vish, that if Spurs had lost against Burnley, Mourinho's job... Well, he could could have been gone. I mean, it might be a little bit fanciful, but what did you make of all that?
4: I think it was more... To be, to be fair, I think it was it was a natural conversation to be had after the West Ham game, and I think you know after the defeat to West Ham. But I think it was more down to the fact that if they're not if they weren't going to take action, then they probably weren't going to take action. Bear in mind who their next three games are against. Now, obviously, they beat Burnley um, the weekend just gone, and they've got Fulham and Palace coming up yeah. ahead of a game against Arsenal on the fourteenth, which now looks less like it was going to be a scrap between two bald men over a comb. Because if they're both mm. kind of converging on this form, because Spurs were very impressive yesterday, yeah. um, albeit against an understrength Burnley side. And that could be quite a game, actually, yeah. But, I mean, that Burnley performance was, while it was very good, I think I think they were helped by the, you know, there was no Ashley Barnes, there was no Chris Wood up front for Burnley, which is a bit like fighting a boxer without his fists. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, well, he's yeah. not going to really, like... They're not going to really lay a glove on you on that side, even though they they did create a couple of openings. But yeah, I mean Gareth Bale is back, so what are they worried about?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. do you think um, do you think that maybe Gareth Bale heard those rumours and he thought, well, I've got to kind of save Jose because he's been so good to me.
4: Yeah, he's a very conscientious footballer, isn't he, Gareth Bale? Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. probably. Yeah, he does. If, yeah. if we've known, any, if but we've seen anything first, from, yeah, if we've seen anything from his last five years in the game, we've got well, there, I mean, there is there is a yeah. man, and there's a man who cares. Everything. Yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> And indeed, if we have seen anything from his last five years of the game, I'm not sure, I can't remember too many incidents of actually seeing him on a pitch. But um, he did look clinical, didn't he? Both yeah. of his finishes were, were those of a, as a, of a confident player. And um, maybe it just took him a little bit of time to get up to speed after so long, basically, on the sidelines. But he looked he looked really... He looked like the Gareth Bale that left Spurs, you know? Yeah, he, did, he did look a little... Bit a frightening thing.
2: Well, I just... I think with Bale, it... Yeah. At some point, you know, someone has to sort of get through to him, perhaps they have, of, look, I understand, you know, you're back in, in North London, you know, it seems like he's enjoying himself more than he was at Real Madrid, where it was, he all got a little bit silly. Whose fault that is, I don't know. Possibly both parties. And it's kind of like, look, you do, don't do waste this opportunity. Even if you do go back to Real Madrid in the summer, or, or, or whatever happens, or you never play for Spurs again at the, uh, come the end of the season, don't mess this up. Don't leave a bad taste in the Spurs fans' mouths, having had such a sweet taste for many, many years.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder if there's, there's, you know, Brassels mentioned on the show a few times. That you know, the two things can be true with the Real Madrid thing that they mm-hmm. were briefing against him, that also he was being a bit difficult, and also two things can be true of of Gareth Bale at Spurs in that, like, you know, you know, they want, you know, they see they see the player that that they used to have, but also at the same time the Gareth Bale isn't necessarily that player anymore. And I was thinking about this yesterday after that performance. And I think, well, I I wonder, you know, this is just a working theory, but in a normal season, when you've got someone like that who needs to get up to, get into, you know, the run of of match play, as it were, I shouldn't use match play when I'm talking about a keen golfer (laughs) like him, but you know what I mean? Like if you want to get, you know, competitive fitness, then there used to be ways around that. You'd often get sent to some kind of um, intensive training camp in the US or somewhere in Europe. You might also get games put on for, on your behalf behind closed doors so you can get used to that kind of intensity. All those options are that little bit more difficult with COVID, especially, you know, even given the mitigation or, or rather the um, allowances that elite sports teams and athletes have. It is a lot more difficult to do that. And so I wonder if he's just been so much more reliant on actually getting competitive game time rather than anything behind the scenes that it, it has taken this long because... We've seen the feet, haven't we? We've seen the feet that gets him into the edge of the box. There've just been some things that needed rounding out. And again, it's only Burnley and they haven't been great this season, but that was something... Yeah, that was that was something to promise, and also as I've read that kind of that run through, they can play these attacking lineups, can't they, against Fulham and Crystal Palace? And yeah, and and, and that'd be enough to do the job. They wouldn't necessarily be so heavily reliant on on being so steadfast at the back.
2: Yeah, well, in another life, Gareth Bale would have probably stopped playing football uh, around about now. Because uh, do you remember that Chinese side, Jiangsu, that that nearly signed him for? well it wasn't for anything was it they wanted him on a free but they were going to pay him a million quid a week or something ridiculous like that do you hear that apparently they won the chinese super league in november and have now ceased operations it's an absolutely yeah, remarkable story this it's it's
3: crazy isn't it and the, the owners um want basically want to they own a lot of different businesses and they want to focus on their on their kind of um their retail business i think but they also own inter so <laughs> i mean i'd be very surprised if inter were wound up yeah, come the end of this season. How would Conte take that, do you think? Imagine. I think he'd just explode, <laughs> wouldn't he? He would just explode. He'd beat them all it up. It would be incredible. That's another yeah. star
4: for Juventus, that, isn't it? Yeah.
3: <laughs> okay. I'll get one mate. <laughs> yeah.
2: Absolutely incredible. But back at Spurs, though, the big question is, would Gareth Bale get in to the current Manchester United side? Because, um, I mean, whether one cares about that or not... Jamie Redknapp and Roy Keane seem to care rather a lot about whether the Spurs team were any good. Obviously, people overseas or those who didn't watch the match and so on on Sky Sports, it was quite an odd debate. Roy Keane went on a typical Roy Keane rant, and Jamie Redknapp sort of suddenly was like no I'm not having this I'm going to take he you on Roy he just took the bait didn't he yeah it was like no I'll show you that I'm quite hard and it's like
4: uh... it's easy when you're in a different room isn't it to Keane yeah yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah It's Keane's in the studio Redknapp's pitch side but Roy Keane was basically suggesting that other than Kane and Son they don't have any decent players and then Jamie Redknapp wasn't having any of that and Roy Keane because Jamie ran one of his points was, well, it's full of international players. And Roy Keane said, if you trap the ball now, you play for your country. Everyone plays for your country. if Everyone plays for their country. <laughs> if you don't play for your country now, you're a bad player. And I thought, well, I mean, there's a fair bit of competition in that France side, isn't there? I'll, not? T- I'll yeah. take that as
4: a measure of, um, <laughs> of bad play. Yeah, that's the only reason I'm not football. I'm not, I'm not playing for England or Sri Lanka.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, it, was, it was bizarre, wasn't it? It was like seeing two drunk men Argue in a pub. Mm. It and was they, they were in from different pubs somehow. <laughs> but it,
4: but it, it, it was two drunk people arguing in a pub, and the one sober person, Redknapp, thought, "Well, actually, to argue with you, I'm going to get more drunk now." Yeah, yeah. because he ha- he was making his point quite well, and then he just decided to right, "I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take what you're doing to me and do it back to you." And it was mm. it wasn't quite as convincing because he's he's lovely, Jamie Redknapp, but. That was so absurd.
2: It was, was. Yeah, there was
4: no need for that to escalate in the way it did. But with and you, Roy know, Keen, yeah. you know it. You
2: just it stand absurd. back and let him go. Just start, don't yeah. worry about it. Don't challenge him.
3: And you- I like that. I think Roy Keane is leaning into this kind of stuff now, though, isn't he? Mm. He is the puppet master. A little like, bit. He's become aware that he can just wind people up, and it's fine because he's Roy.
2: Roy Keane and no one was going to question. Yeah, it. but can I say and how... it's become really great TV? Yeah, and we we enjoy it, but it was it was so ridiculous. Even Graham Soonis didn't get involved. He just sat back and was a bit like, oh, oh yeah, don't waste yourself on a an under an undercard, uh, Roy. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Uh, but talking of uh, Spurs players, are they any good or all that kind of stuff? I mean, to suggest that Kane and Son are the only decent ones on that side obviously is a little bit silly. But uh, just you see in Dombalay? who's uh, been decent this season. He spoke about um, Jose Mourinho's infamous lockdown visit to his house for that training session. Do you remember this uh, mm. last year when, when the, the two of them were in a park or something having a training session when Mourinho was trying <laughs> to get the best out of Ndombele? And he seems to have got imp- an improvement from him uh, I- yeah. this season. And uh, he was asked about this and... In, 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 and they said he said on a scale that he was asked on a scale of 1 to 10 how surprised were you and he said honestly 10 i asked why i should have to run and he said i just had to do it it's a he very... asked why he should have to run yeah and marino said you just have to do it
4: man after my own heart in dublin yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> cuz it's relevant to your job that's why yeah it's it's a big it's it's in a way, it's most of your job. It's a transferable skill. You learn how to do this here; you'll be absolutely fine on the pitch, my man. I'm going to side
4: with in, I'm going to side with Ndombele here. I wonder if he yeah. was be like, "Why do I have to run now? Why are you yeah. at my house?" <laughs> what, <laughs> what it's four is
2: in the
3: morning. Run. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like a morning run at school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like
2: I reckon, Mourinho probably goes out, goes around dishing det- detentions out. Mm. Uh, Mourinho, I think, members. is sort of slightly getting confused in his managerial style because he's aware that players nowadays don't like too much stick. They prefer more carrot, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> and this is seen with, with Dele Alley when uh, he's... Normally, he'd be gone by now if, if that was Mourinho of the past. You know, he'd be yeah. regularly sticking the boot in. But then he said it was amazing to have Ali back on Thursday in the Europa League and was gushing. And then he put him on the bench for this game. And you think, there's something not quite right here. He is mm. He is desperately... Trying to uh, keep this facade up, but I don't know, I'm not quite convinced. Jim, no, I mean, he's
3: probably trying to uh, just add some resale value, right? Mm. Yeah, you'd say so.
4: I imagine the issue has been that because the transfer market is in such a weird state, because you know, big clubs from China are going under, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it might be it's got to be a lot harder to take, not just you know, for a transfer fee, but to take. Those set of wages and absorb them into until you're set up
2: yeah well um speaking of you know transfers and all the rest of it Sean Dyche responded to questions about Spurs interested Nick Pope and he said if they offered a bag of crisps and a pint of lager in a pub at the moment with the way things are I would take it prioritizing mm. a moment's no- enjoyment against the rules for yeah. for, for uh, a, a very undervaluate a huge uh, undervaluation if that's a word of Nick Pope
3: yeah, I mean, it's a strange way to think about transfers, but footballers are worth more than pubs these days. <laughs> or, so, no, it's not even a pub.
2: It's an afternoon in a pub.
3: Yeah, but I mean, even so, even if you want to go down that route, you could get a nice pub,
2: a really nice pub, and it'd still be a bargain wow. compared to Nick Pope. Take a leaf out of Carlisle United's book. Have you heard that uh, apparently when Manchester United play um, Henderson every game... They play him. Carlisle United get ten grand, which was a part of a deal they struck with him, uh, with them. Sorry, when he was fourteen years old. That is a lovely old job, isn't it? Yeah, I would it have really a representative is. of Carlisle United every time he plays. He's in goal and he's there with a big suitcase. He goes, "Yeah, put the money in that. Thank you." And he's off <laughs> back to Carlisle every game. I want ten grand cash. Do you
4: think David de Gea ne- negotiated that? they will never play him now. He's not gonna play all yeah.
2: season. <laughs> <laughs> Put about well, business. Dear me. Right, ladies and gentlemen. We're gonna have a quick break and then we'll be back to talk more football.
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. On Clash of the
3: Titles, things got a little awkward when Alex, Vicky and Chris discussed the Incredible Hulk going to the hairdressers.
2: Have you never had a haircut? And gone, that is not what I asked for. I
3: can't remember what it's like to go to the hairdressers. <laughs> oh, God, sorry, sorry, that's triggering, sorry. That's on me, minute, yeah, absolutely. Bit, yeah, that is on you, yeah. Absolutely, I didn't, I forgot, I forgot. Because we haven't seen you for
4: such a long yeah. time. We forgot you've got no <laughs> I'm hair. I'm still so. yeah, it hasn't
3: grown back <laughs> magically since we last
2: spoke. <laughs> <laughs>
3: And over on Football Ramble Presents, the On The Continent team have been keeping you across all the European knockouts, as well as a possible title race
2: in League 1 as well. Icardi can be so frustrating because he can be just one of the most impressive finishers. But, you know, when he's not quite on it, he's kind of like the David Blaine
3: in football. Like, he spends a lot of time in a box <laughs> not doing anything. Fine, Clash of the Titles and Football Ramble Presents on your favourite podcast player. And listen now.
0: All that and a whole lot more at Sukarnov.
4: Hi, I'm Dion Dublin, and when I'm not banging my dube, I'm listening to the Football
2: Ramble. Welcome back to the Football Ramble, everybody. Now, let's see how we got on in Betway's 4 to score this weekend before we go any further. Entry to Betway's 4 to score is, of course, free each week. Pick the first goal scorer in Betway's 4 selective matches for your chance to win the weekly £50,000 jackpot. Make sure your selections are submitted before the first game. Further T's and C's apply. Game 1 was Leicester versus Arsenal. I picked Jamie Vardy. It was, of course, Uri Tielemans... Uh, game two was Spurs versus Burnley. And he picked Harry Kane. It was, of course, Gareth Bale. Game three, Chelsea versus Manchester United. Pete picked Harry Maguire. It was, of course, 0-0, so there was no goal scorer. Game four was Sheffield United versus Liverpool. Luke picked Billy Sharp. It was, of course, Curtis Jones. Nil-pois for the football ramble there. We'll be back with another round of Betway's 4 to Score on the preview show this Friday, where we promise we'll Try harder. <laughs> right, it's now time for emails.
1: Just keep email the show at football ramble.com. Right now, so be on our Vista, Kayla, Jules, or Jim, or Andy Luke. All my kids can read it out well.
3: It is indeed time for emails, and Pavel Lopez has been in touch. Uh, He says in 1996, when I was 17, my mum, who was a translator by profession, gleefully told me she'd been hired by the Portuguese national team for the upcoming Euros in England. I was gobsmacked as she explained that she would be based at their training camp, translating for the coaching staff and the players' families. When I pressed her on how she bagged this job, she casually mentioned that her uncle in Portugal, Mario Joao, had some contacts in Benfica and put in a good word for her. When I asked how Mario, who I only vaguely knew, had contacts at Portugal's biggest club, she repon- responded in classic mum style Mario knows people there. <laughs> how? Because, you know, he used to work there. Doing what? Playing football in the 60s when their famous fella played there. What you say, Bio? <laughs> yeah, anyway, he put in a good word for me. Needless to say, I was floored. If this was true, we had a true sporting hero in our family. After a few phone calls to Portugal, I learned that Mario Giao had a 14-year p- professional career, seven of which were at Benfica, where he won two European Cups against <laughs> Barcelona and Real Madrid. Bloody he horror. was by far the highest achieving member of my family. To this day, my head spins at being related to him. That is amazing. Have you isn't checked it? any of this, Jim?
2: I haven't checked any of this <laughs> from Pablo Now, <Lipe>, <laughs> no. Well, he could be lying. We will assume that he's not lying. He played under Bella Gutmann then. If he won the European Cup, yeah, I guess he he would have done. Yeah, the great Bella Goodman. That is phenomenal.
4: That's also a little bit annoying. You'd be livid if you, you know, if you only find that out later on.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I don't
4: know what he would have done with that information earlier.
3: Well, but also, I think I'd be, uh, you know, from from his point of view, as well, from Mario Zhao's point of view, it's like, why don't my family care about my achievements? <laughs> <So> every time <laughs> I turn amazing. up, they
2: take the piss out of me. <laughs> they don't know who I am or what I do. They just think of. You know, when every time I say, oh, I used to play football back in the... Yeah, all right, yeah, yeah, nice one, granddad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course you did. Got these medals, yeah, we've all got... Yeah, I tried hard, is it? Yeah, oh, were nice you in the one, war, pal.
4: were you? put them down, <laughs> mate,
3: come on.
2: <laughs> Taking the best. I sold my me medals because my family didn't want them or didn't care. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, dear. You'd be ashamed of yourself, quite frankly, Pavel Lopez. Um, but there we are. You've got time to redeem yourself. So uh, yeah. good luck with that. Uh, if you want to uh, get in touch to tell us about your famous uh, footballing uh, family members, then uh, show at footballramble.com or you can tweet us at Football Ramble, which will be an absolute pleasure. Gentlemen, the first silverware of the Scottish season has been won. Is it not a bit late in the day? Normally the League Cup sort of, I suppose Celtic did win a trophy this season, but of course it was last season's yeah. trophy. And is winning. this the 2017 League Cup or something? It's sort it's of a bit confusing, it, Quite it? possibly. Well, it is the first time that Celtic's name isn't on a trophy in Scotland since 2016, which is, shows you that period of dominance, which is quite remarkable. Yeah. Um it's crazy. But it's St. Johnson's first ever League Cup victory. Uh, in their 137-year history, and it's also only the second major trophy uh, of all the domestic trophies on show or, or on offer uh, that they've won in their history. And of course, the first one happened. Uh, ooh, hang on, 2014, I think they won the Scottish Cup. Forgive me if I'm a year out there, but I think it was 2014. Um, so quite remarkable. It was that I think the first time they'd won a major trophy was was not that long ago, and they've bloody well won mm. another one. Vish, dancing on the streets of St Johnston, socially distanced.
4: Yeah, no, it's um, it was an incredible story, really. And as you alluded to, you know, it's it's nice that they're winning a trophy at a normal time when trophy should be handed out, not in, <laughs> not in December. It kind of makes it mean a little bit more, doesn't it? Is that a dig? I, I think he, unequivocally was a dig. Yeah, yeah.
2: Who are you digging at? Because we can, we all want to have a little a little digzy
4: Um, I don't know who would you like to have a dig at? We'll just take, we'll take it in turns.
2: Uh, you go first.
4: Right. Okay. I'm. Um, <laughs> Scottish football as a whole. I know actually we've got quite a lot of trouble for this, didn't we, in the past?
2: It's um, I I wasn't going to do that. I think, all right, okay. You're gonna have another bash at
4: Celtic again. You love doing that, don't you? (laughs) Yeah, sticking up for your lads in blue. Just it's a shame
2: Neil Lennon's gone. That's all I'm Uh, saying. The the thing is, though, I do honestly think it was a shame the way he was some of the Celtic fans sort of treated him because he is. A legend at that club, what he's done. I mean, I know this season's mm. been rough. And difficult. it's still. Anyway, let's not talk about Celtic. <laughs> no, no, we're we're doing it again. I Someone know, else us
4: a trophy. We're talking about Rangers and Celtic.
2: So Johnson keeper Xander <laughs> Clark on Snapchat. Did you see this? Yeah. You're going to have to forgive my well Scottish uh, here, ladies and gentlemen. Or oh, the caption was: Did some cunt say Cup Final winners? <laughs> <when laughs> <I> was- <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's
3: great. This is why <laughs> is other teams should win
4: trophies because some yeah. of them don't know what to do with it. They're quite yeah. they can get quite unhinged in that, you know, euphoria. So I I'm, I'm all for it. I more for I want more cunts winning cup finals. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> how how would that translate to the Premier League?
4: Who would win who would be who would be a brilliant winner? I I'll, I I'll reckon Bayern. The
2: that character it's the character of of that
4: well, you know when Birmingham won the, won the League Cup against Arsenal, Barry Ferguson, I, I, I reckon if he had snapped he would have been a, a loose, Yeah, loose he would have done
2: it. Yeah. Um, if actually, if Everton, Everton win it, big dunk on the, on the comms afterwards. <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> be fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, that, that would be very good indeed. A um, shame for Livingston, though, um, obviously, reaching the cup final. Their manager, David Martindale. Amazing story, this, by the way. Do, do check mm. it out, ladies and gentlemen. He's done a great job. Spent six and a half years in prison for drug trafficking and money laundering. So, uh, an incredible redemption tale. Um,
4: Was this part of his community service? Uh, maybe, <laughs>
2: <laughs> perhaps, and he stayed on and has done a bloody good job, you know. So you can't, you yeah, can't it's, deny that. It's really that. something. Gentlemen, back to the Premier League. West Brom 1, Brighton nil. Allardyce's first Premier League win at home for West Brom. Did you see that incredible stat? West Brom's last five Premier League home wins have come under five different managers. That is really amazing. I couldn't believe that one I saw. There's some stats you think, oh, that's impressive, or, oh, that's not too surprising. Or, oh, blimey, I didn't realise he was that good. Whereas that is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it's, It stunned it you well. into silence, hasn't it, It Jim? has stunned me into silence, yeah. yeah. Um, what about Vish? Have you got anything to say on it?
4: Well, surely they've got to sack Allardyce now and bring someone else
2: in. <laughs> <laughs> is yeah. that the if they,
4: I... se- if, Honestly, if they're serious about staying up, oh. then these are the measures they have to take.
2: Yeah, and of course, yeah, it was a very indeed. comfortable 1-0 home win, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mostly with that incident, wasn't
3: it? Yeah, it was just, what a ridiculous game. It was yeah. so, so bizarre and really feel for Brighton over the last couple of games where they've just been peppering peppering shots and, and getting absolutely nothing from it. They've really got to turn that around. Wonderful XG, they into... Wonderful XG though on that. Wonderful XG. You feel sorry
2: for them, do you? I do, yeah. Do you not? Not particularly, no. Fish? No. Do you feel sorry for Brighton? Bearing in mind Jules supports them?
4: Well, you know what? I I, I did feel I did feel sorry for Jules. I, I sent Jules... Jules tweeted about it, and I sent a uh-huh. message about, oh, even I feel bad for you. And the number of replies called me out on not feeling bad for her. I ended up deleting <laughs> that reply. I was oh, like, my God. I can't, I can't deal with this. But... Um,
3: <laughs>
4: honestly, it was... It was all... You couldn't... I mean, I'm not going to say you couldn't make out that because that's, that's a bit of a bullshit phrase, but... It was astounding watching it, knowing what we know about Brighton, and it, it was—it felt like a caricature of everything they've been about mm. because they created so many chances. They even had the ball in the back of the fucking net. <laughs> oh,
3: that was ridiculous! And
4: yet they came out, and as soon as as soon as that goal was disallowed, you just knew they weren't they weren't going to score. And then obviously, you know, Connolly misses that open goal, and they have chances. And you're like, yeah, it's just. It's just not meant to be. I don't buy into this higher power of football and that's the way the game goes. But for...
2: (laughs) for Is that Sam Allardyce you're referring to, the higher (laughs) power? But the the
4: hour after that, I was like, okay, I know know where this is going. I can turn it off now. And obviously I didn't because I like other people's pain.
2: Mm. But yeah, there it know, is.
4: D- you did see how it was going.
2: There's the, There we, we go. That's what yeah. we want. Don't <laughs> we worry about all Lee- that other guff he said, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that's the soundbite
3: we want. <laughs> Have you seen that Lee Mason is uh, has been taken off of the next game because he's injured. Oh, I think it's perhaps a strain to his reputation after that. I don't well, know. Oh, was
2: like a Mike school
4: de- illness, was it like you know? Oh no, yeah, got, yeah.
2: Well, we yeah. got oh, to be careful got a here. We got to be careful here because after all that that uh, very, very um, horrible stuff with Mike Dean, you know. Like again, I think mm. too much. Um, I understand why, but. You don't want to hone in too much on the referees. It's it's maybe the laws of the game, you know. But I mean, there was absolute chaos yeah. though with that the Lewis dunk goal. There was, but I mean, about.
3: I think you can you can criticize a referee for making a mistake mm-hmm. without sending them the death threat. Um, and I would 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 think that nobody's going to be doing that after listening to us to, to describe that situation because it was it was just just bizarre, and it, it must have felt so frustrating for Brighton after that. Just like they, that should have counted. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, but he did. I mean, when I say it should have, have cancelled, I mean he shouldn't have blown that second whistle, okay. but he did. Okay. And at that point, he's you know he's he's nullified it himself. Making but that's it. a mistake.
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, Lee Mason's an interesting one because he is a referee who um, you know people have had issues with in the past, and and some people regard him as a poor referee. But that felt. That incident felt beyond a, a characteristic mistake. It seemed really absent-minded, and hence why almost as soon as he realised he blew the first whistle too early, he blows a second whistle. And it was, all, I think, it was also a bit of a snapshot of what what VAR has become, because I, I think some referees yeah. use it as a last line of defence. Mm-hmm. What I will say is, you know, re- referees aren't in a unique situation to to what we're living in. You know, there there are. The, they're dealing with the everyday stresses that we're all, we're all dealing with and we're all coping with in our, in our own ways, some better than others. And they're also in a situation now where they see the kind of pelters that one of their own gets. They see someone in Mike Dean who, through all the, you know, for all the jokes we make about him and cause you know, he, he's, he's someone who lends itself to that. He's, he's a very confident referee. He's a very sh- assured referee. And yet he was someone who felt he had to take himself out of the line of fire because there were threats against him. Now that's, an incredibly serious matter. Where if you're in his mm. same industry, if you're, you know, going to be privy to those same kind of criticisms and those same kind of, you know, fucking rotters, frankly, who are going to send you that kind of, you know, those kind of messages, then naturally you're going to be really wary. And I think we saw it over the weekend. Uh, we're going to touch on it with uh, the Manchester United game as well, and even just the way that Luke Shaw was talking about referees, which was, I think, was despicable. Really, I think like the the cheek of that, and not to be aware of. How difficult they have been having it these last mm-hmm. few months. So I, so I totally agree with you, Marcus. We do have to be careful about it, and I also agree with you, Jim, that like that's that's got the quite, a, quite a, you know catastrophic mistake that he's he's made mm. there. But we can understand the kind of mindset
2: behind that. To clarify what Luke Shaw said regarding the the Callum Hudson uh, Callum Hudson Odoi handball, um, Shaw said. I heard the ref say to Harry Maguire, if I say it's a pen, it's going to cause a lot of talk about it after. Now that of course has caused a lot of talk. As you mentioned there, Manchester United have distanced themselves from the comments, but it, it's, it's it's getting a bit sort of silly here because people thought, well, VAR will put to bed certain things. I think it's more, it, it, it's angering people and, and exasperating some of the problems, but anyway, we get involved in all that sort of stuff. Um, Going back to uh, West Brom versus Brighton, I mean, yes, of course, Brighton missed two penalties. Apparently, there was a game in Serie C this weekend where both teams missed two penalties each.
3: Yeah, that's... Um, that's remarkable. That's quite amazing, isn't it? That's 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 pretty astonishing. Um, I, I found the Danny Welbeck penalty miss frustrating because, obviously, because he hit the post, it meant that he then couldn't hit the rebound because it has to touch another player. Mm-hmm. And I just think, Why? It's another narc rule that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. It's yeah. another rule for the sake of it. It's mm-hmm. another. That's a rule that makes it harder to score a goal. And any of those rules, I think, should be should be looked at. Because well, it's considered a pass to with. yourself. Is yeah,
2: essentially. like anyone would do, if, if you can do absolutely. that, you deserve the goal. Uh, absolutely <laughs> right. Like you can imagine, like Ronaldinho and his pomp. Going, oh, watch this, lads! Putting the ball off the crossbar, coming back and volleying it into the empty yeah. net or something. And you think to yourself, <laughs> "That is the, that is absolutely ridiculous." But it is a strange one because when it happens, you think, "What's wrong with that?" And it's, oh yeah, that sort of yeah, But there seems rule.
3: like there's so much of that at the moment. I think VAR seems to have exacerbated all those rules. <laughs> Imagine if um, you imagine if you could change of it.
2: If you could change one rule in football, and that's the rule you choose, you chose that. Yeah, <laughs>
4: it, it feels it feels like one of those rules that like is rarely used. Like you know, you can what is it? You can shoot a Welshman on London Bridge if you're if you're carrying a mm-hmm. you know Yansport backpack or something like that. Like, uh-huh. I don't. I'm, I'm not quite <laughs> hot on what the actual. Law I think these is. were old
2: bylaws, but of course, the law of the land does trump these laws. These <laughs> okay, bylaws, right. Yeah. but, but <laughs> you know, but you,
4: you've, every now and again in football you uncover these little snippets. Don't you? Yeah, yeah, what, yeah Of yeah, like yeah. laws that still exist, and uh-huh. I think we could tell by Danny Welbeck's reaction that he didn't mean to do it on purpose. <laughs> <'Cause>
2: he came <laughs> in the bollocks.
4: Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if,
2: if he'd have dummied that though, and one of his uh, teammates would have put it in, that would have been quite the goal. But... he'd
4: probably been for offside, wouldn't he?
2: <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. Yeah. Um, but Sam Allardyce said when he looked at the whole situation, you need a bit of luck to succeed anywhere in life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Big Sam rides again. Ladies and gentlemen. Certainly did. I tell you what, though, I, I mean, look, they are, you know, they're 17 points. They are seven points off safety. If he pulls this off, it will be absolutely ridiculous. Um, but uh, anyway, we, we, we look forward to that if it happens. But uh, uh, but it's interesting, though, it's, the relegation battle, because Brighton, you know, they've got to be careful. Fulham, another point. Ah, oh, if Fulham would have beaten Palace and they should have done, then my goodness, yeah. we'd have been away. Um, but they've got a tricky run in. Anyway. Uh, Let's go to the top of the table, though, ladies and gentlemen, where Manchester City won again. Of course they did. They beat West Ham 2-1... Both centre-half scoring goals, um, as is the Manchester City way. Share the yeah. goals, even Aguero is back in the side. They've scored more goals than they've conceded together in the league this season, Jim. It's amazing. I mean, both of them were technically from set pieces, weren't they?
3: But at mm. the same time, they felt like they were open from open play because when Man City get a corner, it lasts for fucking ages. <laughs> well, Bruyne, you <laughs> can't say the one yes. that De Bruyne... they are. don't score it, they
2: just they just keep it hanging around your box for as long as they want. You can't say that Ruben Diaz's goal was from a set piece.
3: No, but it eventually it started as a set piece, didn't it? And the ball didn't go out of play again. Oh, okay. I take your point, but But this is this is the point I'm making, Marcus, is that like once they've like, if you deal with a corner uh-huh. I mean, basically, you've dealt with their corner when they say you <laughs> out. Okay,
2: yeah, yeah right, Well, yeah. to sound a little bit m- how they end up with their centre back scoring goals. Forgive my previous tone to sound a little bit more convinced. I take your point, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but but there, I mean, it's remarkable. Pep called the twenty match win streak one of his greatest achievements. Vish, would you agree with that?
4: Um, I mean, no, but only because no. he's achieved so much. I mean, yeah. it's, um it's a tad disingenuous that he's
2: forgotten, hasn't he?
3: He's yeah. forgotten what he's done. He's forgotten he's 20 game winning streak, though. 20 game, like not unbeaten, winning. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it that, is...
4: Is, that is astonishing. You know, they were they were two similar runs, weren't they? Were they both at Bayern Munich? And I think they were both ended by Arsenal. I think I saw a graphic about that. Yeah, and it was really? leading into the, the game against Arsenal last week. But it is Blimey. honestly it's staggering, and and I think they've made the biggest mugs of us out of all the Premier League teams, because they were supposed to be finished at the start of the season, weren't they? They were falling all yeah. over the place, you know. Yeah. And they've just emerged so rampant. And it's this, you know, this incredible title running we were going to have has turned into a bit of a you know, wet blanket, hasn't it? But mm-hmm. it's you know, To the
3: point where, can we just give it to them?
2: And then the players can have a rest ahead of the Euro. Yeah, oh, yes, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, you say, it ain't over till it's over, as you once said, Jim. Um, <laughs> David Moyes uh, was talking about Pep Guardiola before the game and he said he's the Heston Blumenthal of football Blumenthal will do something stupid or outrageous that you would never dream of like mixing chocolate with eggs and you think that's never going to work it's not going to taste right or look good but it does Yeah. Uh, wait until Moyes learns about cakes chocolate with eggs what is it like, like what would you call that like a Cheg? I mean my goodness fish what a, so, what a like, combo.
4: is that why he refused those crisps when he was in Spain? Was he like, Maybe. no, none of this sorcery for me, yeah. thanks. <laughs> of...
2: <laughs> I want prawn or cocktail, not both. <laughs> you idiot! Um, I, yeah. will,
4: I will, will happily for it. I don't need your packets of crisps.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I'll make my own crisps. I'm nourished bark.
4: on, I'm nourished on the souls of the undead. <laughs>
2: <laughs> don't worry about me. Tell you what, though, it was not a straightforward win. For for Manchester City, no, Wait, it was They they are a bloody good side, Jim, at the moment, and they are in yeah. contention for top four. This is yeah, Moyes is great. back, baby,
3: and actually, as well, it is one of those one of those situations where you're you're a team on a run like that, where a game like C- a game against City is the last thing you need mm. because if they dispatch you handily or even you know just comfortably by holding you at arms' length, yeah. it can knock the confidence. But I think. You know, as much as you can ever take confidence from a defeat, West Ham will be able to do so from that because they went toe to toe with them and they, you know, they were in the game for most of it. So, mm-hmm. you know,
2: they'll march on. Very true, very true. And um, Pep Godo did say he dreams of being as calm as Carlo Ancelotti because uh, you know Pep can get a little prickly. And he said that uh, Ancelotti leads a Buddha life. Yeah, there's, that's never going to happen. So it's not it? true. Carlo Ancelotti, we see him hugging people and showing affection, so he doesn't lead a Buddha life. Do Buddhist so, uh, people
4: not hug people?
2: Well, that that is the sort of the where you end up. Anything that anything that you can potentially desire, um, you cut out. So yeah, that's 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 the, mm. if you follow it through to its uh, what would it be conclusion, or I don't know, enlightenment, the, enlightenment perhaps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Duncan Ferguson definitely doesn't lead a Buddha life. We can agree right. on that. I mean, can we,
3: can we not, can we not brush over the fact that Pep Guardiola is never going to be that calm. It's beyond (laughs) him. The man is a firework. (laughs) Imagine if he did.
4: And one of the things you had to do was to call all the people that you've, you know, that you've overstepped the line with. And Mm -hmm. imagine how long that call with Nathan Redmond would last.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Because he keeps, he'd keep doubling back when he'd no, you're fucking brilliant. You're so good.
4: But I am really sorry. I I know I should stop calling you, but this is, you know, you don't know how good you are. Yeah,
2: I I am really sorry, but if you will upset me, um, (laughs) I am going (laughs) to... Oh, dearie me. Um, Gentlemen, a a sad note. um, As we uh, heard about the passing of uh, Glenn Rhoda, the former West Ham, Watford, Newcastle, Norwich manager. Died at 65 uh, after a long battle with with a brain tumour. I mean, I, I never met Glenn Roder, but he always came across very well in interviews and quite likable. I remember mm. there was a there was a Gazza documentary years ago when I think Gazza was playing at Spurs and he was he was featured heavily on that. And even as a young lad, I thought I like this guy. He's 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 rather amusing, and uh, and and he was you know he contributed very much to, to football. So yeah, he, he'll be sadly missed. Uh, great shame. Um,
4: There's a great story um, that Don Hutchinson uh, tweeted out uh, last night actually mm-hmm. about how um, when he's his dad was was when he. Uh, don hutchinson's dad was dying um hmm. glenn Rhoda urged him to get get in the car and, and and go see him up in newcastle and it was a i think it was a five-hour journey something like that to get there uh-huh. and glenn Rhoda was on the phone to him for all five hours all
2: right that's wow. incredible yeah blimey yeah so uh yeah rest in peace glenn uh, right, everybody. Uh, oh, do make sure the next thing you do uh, today after listening to this podcast is to head over to Football Ramble Presents and check out our brand new Ramble Meets. Mark Pugas chatted with former Fulham boss and one of Fergie's most trusted men at Manchester United, Rennie Muhlenstein. Um, yeah, he did manage Fulham for a very short while when uh, they were going through the managers and it was a lovely time while he was there. Uh, head over to Football Ramble Presents and you'll find it right at the top of your feed. Interesting character, Muhlenstein. I remember him uh, playing quite a big part in uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's development. Mm -hmm. So there we are. Right, gentlemen, on tomorrow's show, it is, of course, Jules, Luke, and Petey Baby. They will be in your ears talking about those footballs. So get your chops around that lot. Until then, thank you very much, Jim Campbell. Thank you. Thank you, Vitushin Hantaraja.
4: Thank you, Marcus Speller.
2: Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Have a good one.
0: This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast
1: Creative Network. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus.